It is Keaton Weiss of Dude Dissidents and Alan Howell of Howell Underground ready to start shit. Not sure what we'll start first, but what, what do you think? I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? Well, we've been working on Joe Biden lately. He's uh, two sacks of shit, even though Nina Turner says he's only half a sack of shit. I, I think a lot of the people on the left including Brianna Joy Gray and others who were close to Bernie, are, are unwilling to pull in behind Biden. I think that's like a key development right now. Plus, of course, the, the protests that are kind of shifting in character from racial injustice only to both racial and economic justice. So, so that might be a good start. Anything else that comes up, though, is great. Oh, sure thing. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of like the Biden stuff, I mean, so I, I reached out to you about this because I noticed, hold on, my cat is scratching the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should sing cat songs. Well, I wonder what he's going to do to the cat. It's good that this is off camera, probably, because now we can't see what the cat's doing or what Keaton is doing to the cat. Oh, now he can nice hear one. me. I have to. I have to be good now. All right. What's that? Now I have to stop talking about your cat. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of living things in my household. We have my wife and I, two cats, two babies, and a dog. So what's that? Seven. Wow. Living thing. Yeah, and, yeah. So there, there's a lot of action around here. You're um, a menagerie. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the Biden stuff, I mean, one of the reasons that I kind of reached out to you is because I, I've noticed something when it comes to any of the writings that we put out on our site. And thank you, of course, for uh, featuring so many of those. And thank you to the, the Howell Underground viewers for watching them and commenting on them. That's all great stuff. I noticed that no matter what we write about, um, the topic always comes back to who people are going to vote for. Right. I mean, this topic just will not go away. And I suppose it's a bit unreasonable of me or a bit uh, wishful thinking on my part to think that that would go away, seeing as we are in the heat of an election campaign. Um, but, for example, Russell's last post that he just wrote, you know, about how Joe Biden is basically this Trojan horse for this new ascendant right wing Democrat base. Um, and it's not actually that new. I mean, the, 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 the base has been sort of shifting to the right over the last several decades, but now they're really going very explicitly, making a very explicit play um, for these sort of, you know, cozy wine track, you know, suburban conservative uh, voters. Um, and the response to that, so much of it has been, OK, so what do we do? Do we vote Hawkins? Do we do a write in? Do we sit the election out? Do we vote Biden anyway? And I would like to see this conversation shift from who people are planning to vote for to what people plan to do after November 3rd, no matter who wins. And so to me, the litmus test that we should be imposing on people, because I'm not against litmus tests, I'm just against bad, lit, uh, bad litmus tests. So I think the litmus test of, okay, who you're going to vote for is kind of a wishy-washy litmus test, right? Because there are different kinds of people who vote for Biden for different reasons. If you're a cushy wine track voter who feels no solidarity with the working poor whatsoever, and you are just voting for Biden because you think he's going to restore this sense of normalcy, right? Restore this calm. As Joe Biden himself said, we need a leader who's going to lower the temperature, right? Then you're not on the team. You should absolutely be ashamed, and you do a fantastic job of doing that on this <laughs> YouTube channel. Um, the people who see it more or less our way, but who feel as though their backs are against the wall and like, look, um, I don't see any other choice electorally, but Biden this time, but I am willing to get in the streets and fuck shit up and do the kinds of things that are featured in your background right now. Yeah. Um, I think those people are on the team and I think we would be foolish to sort of alienate them. And so I would like to see the conversation shift from voting to direct action. That's the litmus test. Are you willing to take direct action to demand results for the working poor, uh, and really just, you know, the American majority. I mean, 63% of the American people can't afford a $500 emergency. And that's an antiquated stat because that was before the virus, yeah. right? I mean, that was five years ago. And so as long as people are willing to do that, 
I would say we should not make a litmus test um, or I, we should not make their vote a, a, a litmus test. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's that's where I would be coming from. That's a new idea for people. They, they think that how they vote is the most important thing that happens in politics. And to your point, you said it matters what they do after November 3rd. I think thinking the way you're thinking, you could just say, well, no, let's just start today. Today's the, today's the day the um, insurance, the unemployment insurance ends, $600 checks end, and then everyone else, everyone, including the Democrats, is thinking about how to reduce those payments. So let's think about how can, how can we start shit right now? How can we fuck shit up right now between now and November? Because if we get things rocking and rolling and we overwhelm the federal agents who are illegal criminals, if we can overwhelm the federal agents in the streets between now and November, the, the November elections are going to have an entirely different character. But not to mention the fact that the uh, mail-in ballots, the, that's going to change the character too. A lot of the voting is going to be over well before November. So, so to that end, instead of saying, well, what are you going to do after November 3rd? I think what we should think of is voting has no relevance. So we don't care how you vote. We don't care if you're voting for Biden. We don't care if you're whatever you're doing. But what are you going to do that actually matters starting right oh, now? Sure. Oh, sure thing. No, and, and I, I second that. I mean, the only reason I emphasize post-November is because there are some people who are protesting right now who think that after November, if Biden wins, they're not going to have to protest. Yeah, yeah, Russell. Right? So yeah, Russell the disagrees. On after November, right? Because there are some people in the streets right now who are thinking that they're out there and they're doing the right thing, right? But they're thinking that this is all Trump's doing and it's all Trump's fault and that it right. it could go away after Trump. And so we need a commitment from people to yes, be out there right now as they are, and also stay out there after November, after January of next year. I mean, what I would love to see organized is a day of action plans you know, right now for either a couple of days after the November vote or, you know, January 21st, 2021 and get commitments from people to participate in that right now, because that's a real test of their understanding. Um, are they willing to go out there? Are they willing to say right now that they're going to be out there no matter who wins this goddamn thing? Good. The true left know that it doesn't matter. The true left know that the American workers are going to keep getting fucked over under Biden or under Trump. So if you're really a leftist and you, you, you can say, well, I still I'm going to vote this way and people will talk until they're purple about how they're going to vote. But but what it comes down to, if they really understand what you're explaining, they they aren't going to just do what we've what I've done, too. I, I'm guilty of this over many years. We think once the voting's over, then our our job is done. And, and right. so what right. you're suggesting yeah. is that that we and and that's the truest test that you understand is you're you're committed to keep fucking shit up regardless of who wins the election at at the president level and at all the levels down from there right it's it, like if you're obsessing over your vote at this point then you're basically playing into the political establishment's hands by basically putting all your power in your vote. Your vote is a very, very tiny percentage of your power. People who watch this show, even, you know, you know, like you and I make our own content and stuff like that. You don't even have to do that. People who engage with this content are, are far more politically relevant than the average person, even if people engage with this content and don't vote, right? So it, like, if, if, you, if you watch this stuff, if you listen to this stuff, if you follow this stuff, if you get informed, if you go out in the street and you protest, um, then you think, okay, well, November 3rd, all these options suck. I'm just not going to stay home, right? The, the moron liberal will say, well, if you don't vote, then you don't have a say. Well, that's absolute bullshit because the average person doesn't do any of that. The average person doesn't pay attention to uh, the news. They don't, they don't seek out content. They don't seek out um, ways to sort of enlighten themselves and, and enrich not only their lives, but the lives of people around them. They don't do any of that. They just show up once every couple of years and they check a box on a sheet and they put it through the, uh, you know, thing and they vote and they think, well, I'm, I'm a responsible citizen because I did that. And what I'm saying is that does not make you a responsible 
citizen. That's a very tiny percentage of what it takes to actually be an engaged citizen. And so, I, I like I said, it may be wishful thinking on my part. This is a campaign season. People are going to be talking about their vote. But given the just horrible way in which this whole thing turned out, I and given the fact that we are seeing a groundswell of activism now that is a ray of, of hope, um, we should be embracing that and figure out, okay, how do we build upon that, not how do we vote? Like, yeah. I'm personally, I mean, you know where I stand on this. I know where you are on this. I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. But I'm not really evangelizing that because you don't want to fracture the coalition that way. You know, I interviewed uh, Nick Brana from the uh, Movement for a People's Party. I interviewed him uh, last, I believe it was, well, I interviewed him twice. The first time I interviewed him, I think it was May of last year. It's one of the first shows that I ever did. And I asked him because I could kind of see this coming. I'm like, okay, through a combination of Democratic Party fuckery and Democratic voter stupidity, uh, Bernie is going to be denied this nomination somehow. And I worked hard to make sure that didn't happen, but, you know, we all know how that went. So I, so I said, look, it, let's say that that happens. And he was on the page that that was going to happen. Uh, that's why he formed MPP, right? Because he, he, he knew that this was used. And so I asked him, I said, if this happens, right, if Bernie is denied the nomination again, how would you uh, ask people to to vote? What do you think? What would your stance be? Or like, what would you tell your members uh, in terms of voting for Biden or not voting at all or voting green or doing a write in? And he said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to stay out of that. We're not going to take a stance on that because we don't want to fracture the coalition in that way. So like if I come out and I say like everybody who's in my organization agrees we need a new major party or at the very least a, a, a new major movement that can exert pressure on this two-party system. If people are down with that cause, then it doesn't really matter to me if they feel like some people, you know, if they live in a swing state and they feel they have to vote for Biden because they're terrified of Trump, okay, fine. Like we could agree to disagree on that. That's not a big enough decision for me to say, fuck you, you're out of the club. You're not welcome here anymore. If they agree on the big picture, which is we have to get in the streets, we have to create institutional left power that can really threaten this uh, system in a major way, then who the fuck? I don't care. Vote for Biden. Vote for Hawkins. Right in your dog. I don't give a fuck these people. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's a good point. And so I think that, and and that answer, I mean, he didn't put it as crudely as that, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but that's a very wise strategy, I think. because you don't want to fracture your movement over decisions that are ultimately of very little consequence. Yeah, that's a good point. While we're here, could we talk about you? You bre- mentioned it briefly about independent media you said if people are engaging with this content they're already way ahead of most people on facebook just in the last few weeks because these conversations have been raging am i going to vote for biden am i going to shame people for voting for green party candidates or or writing in bernie and and everybody's still just inflamed with the idea of how important it is um, how they vote and, and so what I've been getting a lot of on my Facebook feed is people who say, oh, I've never bumped into your content before. I've never bumped into your ideas before, but I don't trust anything on YouTube because it's on YouTube. I just read, I just watch Morning Joe and I just watch, you know, whatever MSNBC tells me to watch or CNN. And then I go from there. And because, because everyone knows you can't trust independent media and and that that's another battle that's way more important than how you vote is how you get your yeah. information and i was saying once you figure out that there are good and bad sources of information everywhere and that mainstream media are probably mostly bad then you then it's on you and it's a lot more work but you have to do the work to become a good filter and and a good arbiter of what's right and wrong and good and bad and so, so do you because you have a an independent station? Do you do you have any words of advice for people who are not not watching this because they get it, but are giving advice to people who have only ever watched mainstream media? What what would you tell them to tell their friends? Well, it's funny. I mean, that's a great question, and because this is really a major battle. I mean, yeah. one of the things that this primary showed 
is that the mainstream media still has tremendous power. It was looking for a moment there that they were losing their power, right? Warren said Bernie told her wouldn't couldn't win. CNN partnered with her in order to spread that obvious blatant lie, and it backfired. Like people didn't fall for it. Her numbers went down after that. Bernie's numbers went up. So we had some hope. We were like, hey, you know what? Maybe this media coup against the Sanders campaign is not going to work this time. There was some evidence for that. Um, but then it turns out despite whatever progress we've made in chipping away at their credibility, they still have too much. Right? I don't think it's as bad as it was five years ago, where anything that the, you know, HRC camp put out against the, the Bernie camp was just taken as gospel automatically. Everybody bought it hook, line, sinker. Um, it's a little better, but it's not nearly, it, it is not better to the extent that uh, they are not still a very formidable threat. Um, and I would actually say that they are really the main obstacle. I mean, if you look at what has happened to this country in the last 20 years, really starting the day after 9-11, there's no institution that has failed this country more than the mainstream media. It just isn't. They beat the drums to the Iraq war. You know, um, you know, they, they, they crushed, um, you know, they, they really smeared, you know, social movements like the Occupy Wall Street movements. Uh, you know, they smeared the Bernie Sanders campaign twice now. Um, and so we have to beat them. Yeah, they failed the I, people. I would, I would You're say, right. You're right that they failed the people, but they in no way failed their their uh, bosses, the people well, exactly. that pay well, their checks. Exactly so what I'm getting so at. Russell would point that at Russell's keen mind. He would he would immediately say these people aren't stupid. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do to keep the American people from getting what they need. Well, that's exactly the point I was getting to, which is, you know, I had a family member actually of mine say, you know, he respects that I am expressing myself and doing this. But he <laughs> says, I can't support what you're doing because, A, you're biased. And we are not biased. We are an opinion outlet. We don't we're not. We're not straight news. We don't claim to be straight news. This is our perspective. You give your perspective. We're not news anchors giving it to you straight. We're, we're not lying. I mean, if, if, if I ever lied about anything, I would certainly welcome people to call me out on that. I have not made up any information. I've not used false information in any of the arguments I've made. But yes, it is my perspective on things. Um, and then he said, especially if you are asking for he says i can't support you if you're if you're biased and asking for this is the kicker commercial support now i don't know what he means by commercial support i guess he means that we have ads on our website which generate between two and four dollars for every thousand reads so the ads on the website pay for the website that's all they do we have a patreon page where people can sign up for as little as three dollars a month just to help cover some of the overhead costs and we do two extra podcast episodes per month for people who do that. Um, so that's the commercial support that I'm asking for. It does not occur to him that the commercial support that MSNBC asks for comes in the form of commercials that they rake in millions of dollars from every year from pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, uh, the army advertises on that yeah. channel. I mean, these outlets get, get commercial support um, and their programming reflects where that support comes from. Bernie pointed that out on the uh, debate stage one time on CNN. He says, you know, not, I'm up here making a case for Medicare for all. The pharmaceutical industry is advertising on this program tonight against my message. And so <laughs> the idea that any institution of that size even, or really of, of, of any size, is sort of impervious to influence is just nonsense. And of course, the bigger you get, uh, the more the, the more capacity there is for that influence to corrupt your messaging, even an organization like the Young Turks, right? The Young Turks is certainly better than CNN and MSNBC, but they got a $20 million investment from Jeffrey Katzenberg, you know, and they're very blue no matter who now. Um, they're better. I mean, I would say, yeah, watch them before you watch Morning Joe. But that, that's a no, that's just, and, and this is not an indictment of their character so much as it is, this is the way these systems work. The more you grow, the more you have to be extra vigilant not to let your message be diluted uh, by these outside influencers who are gonna start, you know, throwing you money. To so, and, and the understanding is that you're not gonna fuck them when they throw you that money. And so I think what people 
really need to stress is that like, yeah, I mean, um, if, if you're skeptical of independent media, what you're really just doing, it's really just a sort of, it's almost a classist argument. It's saying that, well, I don't trust the small people to tell me the truth, even though these small people have much more reason to be honest because we're not on the take, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. um, we're just breaking even. Um, whereas, you know, these bigger outlets are on the take and, you know, it's obvious. I mean, just say like, look, the next time you hear someone like Fareed Zakaria or Wolf Blitzer or Jake Tapper sort of concern troll about Medicare for all and, and, you know, even if you don't think they're lying, even if you take everything that they say at face value, you don't think it's weird that every time they cut to a commercial break, you see at least one advertisement for some pill that's going to help you with some problem they say you have. I mean, so that's it right there. And I think that's the first step to getting people to say, hey, you know what? Everybody has interests, um, you know, and everybody's interests, you know, can be steered by money and by influence. And so... I think that's a good start. Yeah, the case you're making is that you should give more credibility to the smaller outlets because they are less likely to be in the pocket of Raytheon and Halliburton and the military industrial complex and the pharmaceutical industry and big oil and uh, every everything. The higher up you go, the more authoritative. Like if you look at YouTube they and Facebook, they will put in their algorithms, they will put the, the authoritative sources ahead of yours in the algorithm. So you'll never get seen, you'll get buried. And the authoritative sources are the ones that they're um, trying to promote. And all those sources are taking money from people that we as Americans shouldn't trust at all. So, so your argument is probably that we should trust people inversely to, to how authoritative um, YouTube's algorithm would make them. Sure. I mean, I don't know exactly how the algorithm works, but, you know, in ter I mean, do they ascribe credibility based on how many views you have? That's a self-fulfilling thing, right? I mean, <laughs> the corporate media YouTube channel, like, you know, because all these, all these mainstream news networks have YouTube channels also. Yeah. And so if they're getting millions of views, does that mean that they're more credible according to the YouTube algorithm? I mean, so much of this tech stuff is just secret. They don't actually disclose, you know, how they steer traffic certain ways. And so I don't know. Um, but but if it's not, if it is about average, and, I, you know, I would think it is because the more views, the more advertising yeah. revenue that, you know, YouTube stands to make Yeah, and the advertisers are the ones the advertisers are big pharma and, and all these others. So, so they, the ad friendly, they, they talk about it when you're reading YouTube's information to figure out how to make your channel more advertiser friendly. What you're trying to do is make it more neoliberalism friendly, right. make it more corporate, yeah. corporate, corporate friendly. And so, so we have to teach our readers and viewers and listeners how, how to um, get off the path and then, recognize bullshit when you see it, recognize bias when you see it. Everybody has an agenda, even the little guys have an agenda. So our, our job is over time, we have to develop a relationship with our news sources. It takes effort, it takes work. But, but people have done that with Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper and Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes, you know, all these people they trust, they have a relationship with them now they have to to pull the the IV out of their arm and and say now I, I I know enough not to trust mainstream media I know they're getting paid by people I shouldn't trust so now I have to divorce myself from them and find some new people that I do trust and it's gonna take work and and when you follow someone over time like when I follow do dissidents over time and I see your point of view I see your agenda I see your perspective as you would put it over time, I, I learned to trust you or not to trust you. When I read, um, when I read Jenk Uger, when I listen to Jenk Uger, and I and I see the incongruence between um, some of the things he says and other things he says, and then I trace it back to Jeffrey Katzenberg, and I figure out why he's saying what he's saying. My trust for him, which which was pretty high at first, sure. went down, and so over time. Uh, David Dole. I used to think David Dole was great, but he's just a sheepdog. I don't know that he's getting paid or not. It, he makes more money than than we do, but 
when when you watch David Dole and you figure out what sheepdogs say and why they say it, that's what he does. That's what Jenk does. And and others, Kyle Kalinsky does it less. And so over time, you're you're listening to Kyle, you're listening to David, you're trying to figure out who seems more credible, who seems not to be a sheepdog. Because to me, that's the main uh, deal killer. I'll listen to people and their point of view and their great information and their entertaining and engaging way of delivering that information. But over time, if I think that they're trying to just shepherd um, lefties into the corrupt DNC fold, I'm done with them. Once I figure that out, I'm done with them. And, and I may still listen to them, but I will rebut them every time because I, I can see where they're coming from. I think all of our readers, listeners and viewers have to figure out how to do that on their own and it's a big job yeah certainly um so when it comes to this question of sheepdog how how do you define that because i, I think you know you're, you're you're certainly right i mean jen Huber is the worst offender um he comes out and just says you know we have to fight like hell in the primaries but when we lose the primaries we have to vote for the lesser evil so <laughs> I mean, fuck you jank the thing is well not only do i not believe that but first but but just on its face it's a you're never going to win a primary that way like, no they'll never primary. let you win no they, never, they know they let you win that way if you promise to support them no matter what that's burning sure your bus that's why we had to be burning your bus because we know they would never let us anywhere near it and they didn't Right. And so like somebody like David Dole, who I'm I'm honestly less familiar with him. I don't I don't watch him much. Um, He's a sheepdog. Like OK, so. so Right. So, OK, so what, what I would say is like, once again, even when it comes to people who are thinking about voting for Biden or they are people who are evangelizing. See, see, to me, what a sheepdog is is somebody who says that you have to do this. Right. You, you have to fall in line and vote for Biden. Uh, that is a sheepdog. Someone who says, look, this is what I feel I have to do. You do your thing. I'm not going to judge it either way. To me, that's not a sheepdog. So uh, where do you draw that line? Yeah, I, I draw the line no matter if they say it's for them or for everyone they're advising. Because when you when you have a platform and you say, this is what I'm going to do, I'm not telling you what to do. That's right, ridiculous. Okay. That's like okay. Charles Barkley okay, saying, I'm not a role model. Yeah, okay, Charles. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work. The great round mound of rebound. He he was a role model. There wasn't any way around that. So if okay, you have a platform enough. like David Dole and you say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm I'm going to advise you under these circumstances because you, you don't live in a safe state or whatever. To if, if any of them, any of us say under any circumstances, that we are going to vote or that imply that you should vote for a corporate sock puppet, somebody who's on the dole, somebody who is accepting money, and we know it, like, like Jenk. Jenk is on the dole. Um, and politicians, almost all, all are on the dole. Or they're like Bernie and they're, and they're peddling influence. They're trying to be on key committees. Whatever they're doing that, that makes them say that we should support corporate candidates or corporate pundits or corporate anybody they're a sheepdog right then there's no there's no gray area there's no fine line you're a sheepdog when you say for any reason that that per, that that it's acceptable to to support a corporate republican or democrat or or green party candidate anybody who's who's taking money from from big money is is unacceptable and if anyone is trying to say maybe under certain circumstances it is acceptable or I'm just not going to talk about it, I don't want to offend the base or whatever. No, that's bullshit. Whether voting matters or not, anybody who, who is, is making any kind of a case that you can accept in good conscience a corporatist, it, it's, it, that's a sheepdog. And, and I think we have to have a purity test there. I think we have to hard, draw hard lines there because it's that important. Okay, so once again, so, okay, so now the, the question I would, I would just push this a bit further and say, what does it mean to accept Joe Biden? Like I said, somebody who's out in the streets now 
who's not voting for Joe Biden because they think he's going to fix things, not voting for Joe Biden because they think uh, that, you know, he is this, you know, savior or he is the answer or he is a friend of the American people, right? But just voting for him because they feel like, look, you know, given these options, uh, I, I think this is the one that is at least going to stave off the worst of what a second Trump term would be, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they know that they have to be out in the streets protesting Joe Biden on day one. And not bullshit. Not like a women's march where we get a permit on a Saturday. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> and we put a hat on. You know, yeah. But like the stuff that's going on, like I said, in your backdrop right there. Yeah. People who are committed to that, like I said, we're going to getting back to what we talked about earlier. A person like that, I'm not going to judge if they decide they have to vote for Joe Biden because they still get it. Yeah. As, the person as... who says, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because we need to restore normalcy. No. That, yeah. that that's but that's a huge difference there. And I think we have to because, you know, I'm not a big fan of nuance when it comes to like political messaging in campaigns. I think you need big ideas. You need to express them forcefully, clearly. Don't nitpick. But when it comes to like these internal strategy uh, meetings, I think we do have to be nuanced in separating people who are voting for Biden because they have faith in Joe Biden and people who are simply voting for Joe Biden. Uh, out of a purely sort of utilitarian motivation, but are still committed to raise hell once Joe Biden becomes president. Endorsed, this though. is going to really confuse the libs. The, the, there are a lot of people who are going to be very confused when Joe Biden wins and these protests are still happening. Yeah, well, they, the problem, though, with what you're saying is that when you vote for somebody, you endorse them. Now, now you can turn right around and protest them or try to push them to the left. That's the biggest crock of bullshit you'll ever hear. Of course. Oh, I've we're gonna push, it. we're gonna push Joe fucking Biden to the left. Yeah, yeah, you, you're sure you are. But, but one thing is, when you vote for somebody and you, you have to say to your friends and neighbors, I, I voted for Joe Biden in the November election. Everything bad he does is on you. Well, that's the Carlin thing, right? Yep. It's the Carlin line. People who vote are the ones who don't have the right to complain. Exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, we, we parsed this a little bit earlier. I see it slightly differently than that. I, I Because I think voting is such a small part of what it means to be an activist. That's that fine. That's fine. We can agree on that. Right. So then I, I don't think it's a major statement. I, I, I just don't. Yeah. You know, and I would like to get away from this sort of emphasis that it is because there's there's so much bigger things that we have to worry about that I don't want to push people out of the coalition. Yeah, we don't I, have anyone to vote for. If we had people right. to vote for, it would be well, different. Exactly. So, that, so your point. Well, that's a great point. Yeah, that's your point, point is is bolstered by that idea that we don't have anyone to vote for. So until well, we do, what the fuck difference does it make? We just need to to get out there and do the best we can in the streets and you know, vote who, yeah. So I, that's your point that d differs from all of my haranguing. And, and I have to agree with you. I have to say you're right about that until that we can actually vote for people that, that share our values. Right. Let's Look, not worry about talking, it too much. Right. Let's not worry about it too much considering that. And that was, that was in the same boat more or less last time. I mean, I'm not a big Jill Stein fan. I'm not a big Green Party fan. If the fucking Green Party, and you can cut this out of this, uh, if you don't like, I know you just interviewed Howie last time. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I won't cut interview. it out. No, I know. You're, you're not the type of guy to, to you know, worry about that shit, which is, which is good. But if they were serious about doing what they say they've been wanting to do for decades, which is overthrow the two-party duopoly, they'd have rolled out the red carpet for Jesse Ventura to run on their platform because Jesse Ventura would have got 5% easily would have cracked that 5%. Yeah. Um, Ventura is a superstar. Ventura, you know, is a dynamic force who not only would have taken votes from the Democrat, but I'm telling you, as Donald Trump's numbers plummet and there are like these grubby populist conservatives who voted for Donald Trump, I'm telling you, Jesse Ventura is going to appeal to a fuck ton of them, yeah. which means he would easily get 5%. He might even, okay, so he said, and look, this is the thing. Ventura has been teasing that he's going to run for president for decades and he's never done it. I don't know how serious he actually was. Pardon me. But he did make the Green Party an offer. He said, if you show me a path to the nomination, I'll do it. And his rationale was that when he ran for governor of Minnesota, he entered the race very late. And he said, if you're an outsider, you have to enter late because you need to create this media buzz around your candidacy such that you ride that wave of media into 
polling momentum, which then gets you onto the debate stage. And then once I got it, and that's what I did in Minnesota, I followed that exact game plan. I got in late. I caught some media fire. I got 15 uh, points in the polls. I made the um, debate. And then a few weeks later, I won the race. And he, he offered the Green Party. He said, look, I'll do that same thing. Uh, for you guys, but you, you you have to kind of let me do it because I'm not willing to do the primary thing. I'm not willing to get in early because then I'm going to catch some media attention and I'm just going to fade out. Yeah, and they're going to crucify him. They crucified him in Minnesota, he and his family. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, yeah no, no, I mean, he might have perfectly good reasons why he doesn't want to do it. And my suspicion is that he wasn't really serious. My, my suspicion is that he would have found a way to sort of back out, even if they called his bluff. But how could you at least not call his bluff? I mean, you have this opportunity in front of you. How could you at least not say, okay, Jesse, we'll do it. Let's do it. Because if he were in the race, I would be supporting him. And then I'd be exactly on the same page. We're like, you're a fucking asshole to vote for Joe Biden over Jesse Ventura, <laughs> right? Um, but given like Hawkins, uh, whoever that libertarian woman is, Jorgensen, whatever her name yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Trump, Biden, it's like, look, am I going to fucking take a step? Like, I don't, there's nothing at stake in this. This is not where the action is. The action is in the streets. That's where the action is. If you're willing to get in the streets, you're you're good in my book. Uh, at that point, it doesn't matter who you vote for. And the no, only reason, right. I'm sorry, the only reason it matters is that we we can't keep allowing the DNC to assume that any leftist votes belong to them. So so if we see that they put a sack of shit like Joe Biden in front of us, we are morally obligated on principle. Not, not because it matters, not because it's going to accomplish anything, but we are obligated not to st rubber stamp their candidates. Of course. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's an important point. Even if it doesn't do anything electorally, we, we are obligated not to vote for a corporate sock puppet. We, we could vote for anyone who's not a corporate sock puppet, but I think we're all morally accountable to each other not to vote for any corporatist, period, ever, in any level of any any politics, not dog catcher. All right, so I think we, we've, we've covered that pretty good, right? Yeah, you and, and you agree. Uh, so 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 the main point well, you yes, made. I agree. I'm not. I am not. I am not telling anyone to vote for Joe Biden. The the, the difference is I'm, I'm not urging people not. to. I'm telling that's people different. not to vote for Joe Biden because yeah, I think it different. matters. I think the DNC is going to assume way too much if they see all these Bernie people voting for Joe Biden. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a reasonable point. I think I, 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 I think so. Um, the other issue, though, that we have to think about, and like I said, this gets again, is like, look, who who is going to be who is going to run for president in the near future that we can support that has a chance to win like who you don't think i mean if you thought if you thought what they did to bernie was bad you wait until nina turner jumps yeah they are going to crucify her like you've never seen before because she threatens she is a threat because she is a woman of color and she threatens to if because if if, if you notice these sort of left insurgent candidates that have won have all been people of color, mostly. AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, right? Because what they're doing is they're tapping into the sort of traditional Democratic base, which is black and brown people, and they're adding to that this leftist insurgent coalition. And so they're a huge threat. So someone like Nina Turner poses a huge threat because she could sweep the South, right? Uh, you know, because, you know, People are going to what, like, like, you know, the same reason Barack Obama swept the South, right? Black voters are going to be excited about a black leader who's dynamic, who can carry a room, and who can speak to their concerns. Of course, when Barack Obama spoke to their concerns, he was lying through his teeth about it. But you get an actual truth teller like Nina Turner, who's a dynamic speaker, dynamic campaigner, who threatens to completely take the engine out of the car that is the DNC which is the, the, the Southern black vote that has picked their nominee dating back. I mean, Bill Clinton won the Southern black vote. Uh, you know, um, Obama, Hillary, Biden now. Forget it. I mean, they are going to do to her. I mean, and, and look, in a sense, I hope it happens because it'll just totally expose what utter hypocrites they are on these sort of identity politics issues. They can't um, let it happen. But, but, they can't. But, they absolutely can't allow 
Somebody well, like right. Nina. So so that I you know this is pretty cynical, but I think the CIA would take her out. I think well, they, that, I think she I would be assassinated. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't even want to go uh, there. It's too too terrible for me to even think of. Yeah. But, but the but the um, but no. What the point is, they're not going to let someone. Nope. Um, they will. I mean, look what they did to Tulsi Gabbard. And I'm not a huge Tulsi Gabbard fan, but there were people in this Democratic base who I guarantee you had not heard a fucking word about Tulsi Gabbard until this cycle, and. The MSNBC talking heads just conditioned these people to hate Tulsi Gabbard based on nothing, based on, well, she grew up in an anti-LGBT household. Okay, well, since then, I mean, look, her father is a fucking maniac. She can't control who her father is. She had these fucked up views as a young person. Since becoming a member of Congress, she has a perfect voting record on LGBT issues, right? No, she's a, she's, she's a homophobe because she had these views, you know, 15 years ago, whatever. Meanwhile... They're rolling out the red carpet for John Kasich, a notoriously anti-gay governor, to come and speak at the DNC because he's reaching across the aisle and isn't this nice and voting for Joe Biden. So these people are completely brainwashed, you know, and so that is going to make it extremely hard for any real thing to happen at the presidential level, which is, again, another reason why I'm just not terribly interested in who people vote for or don't vote for. To me, that's not where the action is. How can we get the protest to accomplish some sort of political um, goal eventually? How could we because use we protest to, to get the, Nina? We have to make the neoliberal policy program untenable. You yeah. have to demonstrate this is untenable. You're not going to have a society where people's health care is distributed according to the actuarial tables of Aetna, right? You're just not going to have that. And so that's how we change it. We just say, listen, this society is not going to function unless certain demands are met. And that's where the protests can influence electoral politics, because you have to you have to apply such pressure that they have no choice. Right. That's how the Civil Rights Act. Happens. Yes. Um, you know, and, and so we have to do the same thing. And so as long as people are willing to do that, I don't give a fuck. I, like I said, vote for me if you want. I'm, I'm 33, so I can't serve uh, for another couple of years. But Keaton. W-E-I-S-S, two S's on Weiss. Write me in. I don't care. I don't care. And so... I'll do know, it. Me, I'll do it. Well, there you go. All right. I got one vote. I'm, in fact, if you can edit in some music, yeah. I'll take this opportunity to officially announce my <laughs> candidacy for presidency of the United States as a write-in ballot. There you go. I'm a there we go. I never thought I'd run for office before. No. Better than Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think our focus today has been on on getting people into the streets. Do you know, like, when when it comes right down to it, it's not difficult. You you find the people in your area who are doing this sort of thing, and you can find them just by walking around. If if you're if you're interested, it's it's not difficult to do. But but people my age, maybe they'll they'll worry more about it. You know, this their safety or whatever. But I think more and more the passion is going to be rising as, as people just see how blatant. And, and that's where we come in. We, we stir the pot. We show them how awful things are in Portland. We show them how awful um, Nancy Pelosi is and Chuck Schumer. We show them how awful the Democratic leaders are compared to the Republican leaders. And as Russell did so well in his article, showed that they're all working for the same people. And I think if, if we can keep educating people and we can keep growing the the amount of impact we have, the the scope and the sequence and the breadth and the depth of our reach, then then eventually people will just naturally pile into the streets because they'll know what what mainstream media has have tried to keep them from knowing over so many years. Sure. Well, this is this could even happen much sooner than later. Like you said, the unemployment uh benefits expire today as we are recording this um russell has said over and over again that you know the first four months of this pandemic are going to be looked upon as the good days because you're not really seeing the full economic impact of this as long as those unemployment payments are coming once they stop you could see riots in the streets in a couple of weeks yeah you know um add to this you know the a fact that Jeff Bezos has almost doubled his net worth um, this year. 
Um, you know, I mean, this he started the year as the richest man on earth, and he almost doubled his net worth. I think it, he started worth about a little over 100 million. He's increased his net worth by 74. I mean, not 100 million, 100 billion. Increases net worth by 74 billion dollars as this economic devastation has crippled this country. And by the way, we we haven't even seen how much money he's going to make in the coming months because there's not going to be much box store holiday shopping this year. People ain't going to want to do that. So Amazon is going to absolutely kill October, November, December. He's on pace to be a trillionaire by 2026. At six years, we're going to have a trillionaire. Yeah. Um, you think that this is going to continue? Like this is, and this is, you know, Russell has made this point. He made this point there. You push things to a point where the population becomes ungovernable. That was a quote in his in yeah. his most recent article. You can't expect people to keep falling for this. I mean, the billionaires like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. These are supposed to be in a neoliberal capitalist world these sort of exemplars of excellence and virtue, right? We're supposed to look up to people like Jeff Bezos. We're supposed to want to be them. But when people see that this guy has doubled his net worth as the country has been completely devastated by this pandemic, on top of that, they learn that he suspended the $2 an hour extra hazard pay at the beginning of June for employees. They provide no paid sick leave, no guaranteed paid sick leave to their factory workers or, um, I'm sorry, not factory workers, warehouse workers yeah. um like people are not going to fall for this shit much more, right and one one point to make when it comes to the electoral politics argument is like the bernie sanders campaign was not the revolution the bernie sanders campaign was what we hoped would succeed so we wouldn't need a revolution <laughs> we made a very reasonable opening offer which is bernie sanders for president this guy's agenda is not a radical left agenda. This guy's agenda is a center, sometimes maybe center left agenda. Just go down the line. Medicare for all. That's centrist in by like any world view of it. Um, you know, every other country on earth already has some form of Medicare for all. There are some systems that are a little to the left of that, like the UK with the NHS, some models that are a little to the right of that, like, you know, Japan and France. Um, but, 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 his Medicare for all platform is squarely in the center in terms of like world politics. Uh, Tuition-free college, centrist view. Every other country basically has it. Not only does every other country has it, have it, uh, we used to basically have it. My father put himself through City College, um, renting an apartment, paying his own rent on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and driving a cab. So he was able to do all those three things, pay his way through college, pay his way, uh, you know, uh, living on his own, driving a cab. We used to have that. It's interesting. Um, you know, student debt forgiveness is a corrective measure to correct for this radical right-wing idea that people have to go into debt, you know, <laughs> 50, 60, 70, 100 grand to get college. $15 minimum wage, that's a right of center. I mean, if minimum wage had kept up with uh, inflation, it'd be well over $20 an hour. So $15 an hour is, is a right of center policy, which is why Joe Biden has said, okay, you can have 15 yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That's why the Democrats took that one, right? So that was a win for us, but that's not a left program. And so we made a very reasonable and mild opening offer. It says, look, the social contract is just being shit on. We need this very basic baseline of policies that afford some dignity to every person. And they just spit in our face and so now you're getting the kind of stuff that once again i keep referring to this backdrop and back to you but that's what i mean this is what is going to keep happening even if joe biden becomes president this is the thing that the liberals don't understand they think he's gonna and joe biden himself said it we have to cool the temperature down no no temperature's not getting cooled down until this government starts delivering for people doesn't the, matter who the president is. the government the government is out of touch obviously but the comfy liberals are out of touch the comfy liberals still get their uber eats delivered on time so they they want the people to to stop protesting but the people you know the the numbers the massive numbers i i can't remember i just read it on an article this morning um when the massive numbers of desperate people like like russell said when when the when the 
um, unemployment payments stop, that desperation isn't going to stop just because Joe Biden was elected. The comfy people will be confused about it. They'll, they'll say, why? Why are you in the streets? We, we have a Democrat in the, in the White House. Everything's right. fine now. Don't you get it? And they're like, but we're fucking starving. You're right. the one who doesn't get it. And you're the ones who have never gotten it. And, right. and so, and so need... yeah, that's what people are going to, there's going to be a rude awakening, not only for the, for the plutocrats, but also the comfy sycophants around them that, that have always just done whatever the DNC mainstream media tell them. Correct. But in order for these protests to have the kind of teeth that we want them to have, right, in order for this to actually make an impression, because a lot of protests, these libs are able to just shrug off, occupy Wall Street. Oh, what are they even protesting? Annoying. You know, like it has to grow beyond that. And the way it's going to grow beyond that is with numbers. And so we need all hands on deck. And so anyone who is willing to do that is welcome to do that. And my concern is that there's so much emphasis placed on voting that we are, as Nick Rana said, fracturing our coalition and making people feel like they're not welcome in the streets with us if they feel like they have to vote for Joe Biden. I am not willing to push people out of the movement based on that call. Good. That, okay, okay. That's I'm a great sure. point to end with. I think I think that's yeah. the point of the day, that, and that's the point that I needed, because my points you already understand, and and my viewers already understand. But that last oh, you point, do a fantastic job. That piece, that video you did about the Angela Davis article was great, and you should absolutely give those people hell. And you do a great job at. It. And so I'm not trying to nitpick you. I'm just saying that, like, let's just make sure that, like, we are not inflexible to the point where we're actually diminishing the numbers necessary to go out and raise hell, no matter who wins. Yeah, yep. That's a great. That's a great way to conclude because that that needed to be said. And I'll keep raising hell, but but I I take that point to heart. I think you're right. Okay, great. Well, it's always, it was a pleasure coming on, man. It's great talking. We should do this more often. Yeah, as often as you like and, and get free from all of your menagerie. Yeah, I hope that the kids weren't too loud. There, there, there's nothing horrible happening in the background. My wife is doing some kind of like a workshop on Zoom with them. So they were, if you heard any screaming, they were having fun. There was <laughs> yeah. no torture going on in the background. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks, Keaton. Okay, cool, man. So you've, uh, I guess, recorded this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it out in the next couple of days and... I, I won't edit it much, so I just yeah, no, have a couple of other things in the queue. But yeah, we'll we'll see this in the next couple of days, and and I appreciate your help in promoting it, and I'll do the same for you. Oh, absolutely, thank you. Yeah, if you could just send me the video on like a Google Drive, because I could cross post it to my YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. All, All right, right, cool, man. Great talking cool. to you again. You too. Ciao. Okay.